New Pope, who this? Welcome back to the officially unofficial podcast for The New Pope on HBO. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Uh, our other co-host, Jim, has fallen into a coma. It happens, it turns out. He just had a heart attack. I thought he was perfectly healthy. It's it's very sad. It's very unexpected. Uh, mm-hmm. We hear that every ninth podcast, he lets out a groan or a sigh. <laughs> uh, so definitely have your headphones on and be listening for that throughout yeah. the, the, res- the the rest of these podcasts. Subscribe, Hit that subscribe button to hear him breathe. It's like it's like Tinkerbell. Enough likes and subscribes. Uh, maybe he comes out of the coma. Uh, did you, What did you think of this, the fifth episode of The New Pope, Cecily? I liked it. I am just, I'm feeling very nervous, but really excited at the same time. I'm nervous about where this relationship with Sophia and JP3 is going because I desperately want it to happen, but it can't. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. And kind of like Lenny and Esther last season. It's like a will they, won't they, but like, ah, you know. Yeah, except I, I want this to happen, but it shouldn't. And before I didn't want it to happen, but it was most likely going to. Yeah. But I'm also super excited because I feel very strongly we're going to get uh, a miracle, Lenny, in about, well, we did some math we'll talk about later, but hopefully by the end of the season, there's no way we yeah. don't get more i think yeah i uh, i I, th- I thought he's already a pretty big part of this season um and now you've got this this papal countdown of his breathing and his sighing uh it does seem like that we are going to get some form of the pope return the the, the young pope returning we'll have to see i, I want to talk more about that later um i enjoyed this episode a lot too um i have been content to just kind of watch this season unfold um, and I think now uh, we talked about this last episode too, that like I kind of in the early goings, of the young Pope, I was very enamored with Jude Law's performance and all the weird stuff and like the, just the, the kind of the strange goings on in the Vatican to an outsider. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, what, what, what is the point? Is he going to, what's he actually going to try to do? And it didn't get until about this episode that things started making sense on that show. And I feel like that now, Sir John is starting to assert what he wants his his papacy to be about, uh, and he's kind of discovered his his passion issue and also things that he's naturally good at, like providing these symbols, shouting no. Um, right. And this this he's... episode continues to be gorgeous. It gave us uh, a nice reminder of why, despite being such an arch fucking bastard, via I can't hate Viello. Um, yeah, that scene where he brought uh, the the old Don Guillermo. Yeah, Don Mimo and Guillermo together. Uh, it, it, yeah, it just it makes you forget that he's such a he's such a shithead all the time, and most of his shit is is kind of forgivable. You know, there's a lot of no, unforgivable. He sins. No, he kills people. He does a lot of right. bad shit. Yeah, but he also brings together these this uh, these these beings that seem to be wholly simpatico. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's a beautiful moment. It makes everyone smile. Uh, it made me smile. Housekeeping. Here's what's happening on BaldMove.com this week. Of course, our weekly coverage of Star Trek Picard and HBO's The New Pope continues. We had a wrap-up podcast for our Bald Move annual charity drive. If you'd like to hear our thoughts on that, head over to the Bald Movies feed and give it a listen. It's time for the fifth annual Bald Move Awards. It's actually supposed to come out later this week, but we uncovered a Baldy scandal. We sent out a round two of our listener choice for the Baldies Awards last week, and we left off all the listener nominations from the first round. So it was essentially the listener choice of the Bald Move choices. That's no good. We now have a corrected survey at baldies.baldmove.com if you would like to, for the final time, 
have a say in who takes home the coveted Baldi's gold. Please go to baldies.baldmove.com. That link is in the show notes. We'll release the award show as well as all our deliberations for it next week. This week on Bald Movies, we're watching Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren in the cult classic sci-fi action film 1992's Universal Soldier. Look for that out Thursday, and next week, we're seeing Sneakers, the weird little 1992 hacker movie starring Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, Bing Kingsley, River Phoenix, and Sidney Poitier. Universal Soldier this week, Sneakers next on the Bald Movies feed. How about we jump right into the episode here? Yeah, let's, uh, let's start where the episode does with a papal visit to uh, John Paul III by Sharon Stone, mm. where she is forbidden to unleash her two greatest weapons, uh, left leg and right leg, <laughs> and the crossing and uncrossing of, of the same. It was really funny. I feel like sometimes these these bits, like the, the John Malkovich is one of my favorite people uh-huh. bit. And Sharon Stone's legs is like, it feels like it could be too much, too cute. But I, I think it works uh, when you just really go for it. Yeah, and there's a lot of tension in that scene because, you know, uh, Sharon Stone is is hitting him pretty hard about the, uh, you know, acceptance of gay people in the, by the church. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, does the John Malkovich thing where he kind of pirouettes around it and says, you know, I'm just not, uh, something like that's going to require... A, a a bold um, pope, a, a brave and resolute pope, and that's not me. Of course, later in the episode, he announces that I he he tells Sophia in confidence that that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, but they talk about you know uh, how he feels like he's his he's he's missed his own life, and she says you should have children to fix that, and he's like, haha, I can't. Um, <laughs> yeah, what a thing to say. Yeah. Uh... I was surprised to learn that she's got an almost genius level IQ. She's. I was surprised to find a lot of things about Sharon. So number one, the woman is sixty-one years old. Whoa. I was a ama- I'm. I was thinking fifty years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has three children. Oh, okay. I would have swore that she was kind of like uh, uh, who's the the British lady that oh are you like a Kathleen Turner type is what I was thinking. Oh no, I was thinking of who also um, may have children. Yeah, before I read that, I thought she's kind of maybe a Helen Mirren type, that she looks very well preserved because mm-hmm. she's never, you know, sub- subjected her body to the ravages of childbirth. But uh, uh, she looks amazing and she's very disarming. I like how the Pope had the synchronized turn everyone's <laughs> heads while she was crossing her legs when her legs started to fall asleep. And they were all kind of giggling in the back. Like, mm-hmm. this was this is just to put on for her, maybe. Uh, but <laughs> her the, trying to take her shoes off without uncrossing her legs. That was very funny. And then at the end where he's talking about, hey, we've all survived this and we've all made the sacrifice and she kind of like sensuously rubs her legs up and down without uncrossing them, like pretty, pretty good. Yeah. But, you know, he's got this point about like, uh, and this is what... I find a lot of Christians to various levels of success retreat to when they're really pinned on, you know, issues like the Bible and it being outdated and the fact that like it seems like there's been a lot of stuff that's been updated, like, the you know, the Pope em- embraced uh, evolution mm-hmm. um, with, I think, within my lifetime. And yet there's still like this gulf between the divine and the sinful human. And we're just bridging that one step at a time. Um, it just is fun. It just always seems like that God's taken a step towards us rather than where we take a step towards him with the way these, these, uh, corrections and these updates go. Right. And I think that with him even changing his mind in this episode, which he does a lot, I think it's, I think it's a really human thing to do to admit, 
a type of weakness and that is to be wrong and to be able to change your opinion about something when presented with with better information. Mm -hmm. I think people, especially the church thinks that, you know, or even, you know, like the United States government sticking to these really antiquated rules that have been written and aren't updating with the times is not a source of strength because things change. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's an okay thing. Yeah, it's weird because like there's some things that are like patch notes, you know, like uh, uh, and and this this version of Christianity or this version of relationship <laughs> with God, uh, the uh, the prohibition against eating shellfish is removed because humans have invented cooking. And then this patch notes are like uh, you don't have to flay yourself anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, God in denial, he created homosexuals. Uh, patch notes read, "My bad," uh, and everything's cool now. It, it's just very interesting, I think. Right. That's... Uh, the other point that she made is because he's like, "Well, I can't, I can't help you out the gay people. Uh, what else you got, Sharon?" And she's like, "You know, we're surrounded here by all this high medieval art that was commissioned at great cost by the church. Why don't you support artists today?" Which I don't know that that's literally true um, because they mentioned some big commercial art installment that the one Pope commissioned that kind of flopped. Um, but as far as it is true, it's like, I, I guess, yeah, why why doesn't the Catholic Church uh, commission more uh, modern art? Not yeah, even more the modern, modern style, but theological or, yeah. you know, I, uh, Christian art, for lack of a better term. So I don't know. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, let's talk about terrorism. Yeah, I mean, it feels like he is going to do a little bit more work updating the church than we thought the young pope would. Well, yeah, the young pope wanted to, re- you know, retreat back into, you know, uh, the, the 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 aforementioned high medieval times. <laughs> right. Um, let's talk about terrorism, which has been a subtextual threat throughout the series, but mm-hmm. it becomes an actual threat in this episode where we find that uh, in Lord uh, France, uh, 10 victims were, I assume, gunned down. Uh, the way they... S- the, the, the victims were essentially staged uh, along this river. Um, I don't think that was the actual victims or how they. It's this is you're supposed to understand that this is just kind of all symbolic of the people lost. Right, they killed ten priests and nuns. Was that it? Because I didn't. I, there were people in wheelchairs, and I, I wasn't. They sure. were all just religious servants. I know okay. that much. Okay. Um, but you actually had the terror attack. Uh, we see Vuelo and uh, Voyello and Bauer talking about it. And Bauer's opinion was that actually this terror attack is good because before you guys were predators of children. Now you're victims of heinous, reprehensible violence and you're inherently more sympathetic. And this has taken the eye off of that. Uh, Vuelo um, kind of worries about this new alliance that uh, Thomas and uh, Spazella, is that his name? Spalletta. Spalletta um, have forged and uh, uh, Bauer's like, well, why don't you just let the, the Pope twist in the wind and take the fall? And here again, Vuelo's, you know, firm center is a, a love for the church and if, and what damage it would do to let a pope like that twist in the wind yet another one but he also is is will kill a pope so right i, I mean you can tell that voyello's interest is definitely in the pope succeeding whoever it is I, I and guess, it's like yeah i guess the difference is that he doesn't mind killing a, a pope as a man but he doesn't want to harm the institution and office like he has great respect for that whereas the men are are dispensable right or expendable uh did you know that this movie that they're watching this haka movie um 
I, my research, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not certain. I'm taking a redditor's uh, uh, fact at face value because I couldn't. The, the sources were all in Italian. Uh, that this is an outtake from the 2018 movie um, Laura. Loro. Yeah, I mean, it definitely looked. They spent a lot enough time on the film itself that you could tell that one, it was Sorrentino's work. Yeah, this is a film by Paolo Sorrentino for I sure. I was thinking maybe they just filmed something like that just to have this movie theater scene, yeah, like, like a pic- picture in picture thing. Like Noah Hawley's done that in Fargo a couple of times, like done a in universe work that doesn't actually exist. It's just something for the the, the universe itself. But yeah, this- I mean, did you know that Quentin Tarantino and the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood movie? wrote five episodes of whatever made-up TV show was in there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I love it when directors do this, but this Mm -hmm. is like a... Or this is an actual movie, I Mm -hmm. think? But if you haven't seen the trailer for Loro, go check it out, because it's it's bananas and apparently true-ish. Yeah, it's it's based on the life of this media tycoon and politician, Silvio Berlusconi, which I've heard of, and this movie is now rocketed to the top of my must-see list just because of how amazing it looks and sounds. Um, but it's about this guy who's a was has been the prime minister of Italy over four times. He's the longest-serving prime minister of post-war Italy. Uh, is currently one of the representatives for Italy in the uh, EU Parliament. Still, despite yet yeah, to today, sir, currently serving despite many scandals involving tax evasion, abuse of power. Uh, bribery of senators and at least one case of soliciting a minor for sex like this guy uh, seems like he's bulletproof or you know if he if he's not bulletproof he's like a wolverine where he just recovers quickly from the wounds I, I can't wait to see it the, yeah. the, like again the trailer looks insane um, anyway the other thing about this the terrorism plot is that uh, there's a lot of pressure for him to make a statement you know because this is a, a shot aimed right at the heart of the church and he tries to find the right words, and the right word is no. 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 You had an interesting take, which I fully agree with, that when do you think he came up with that no? I think I think it was in the moments when he was he was getting ready on the shores in that yeah. chair with just two people holding a sheet in front of him so no one could see, and he's putting on the makeup. And uh, the nun that tends to popes uh, offers him mascara, and he says no. Mm-hmm. And that just that's uh, stuck as a brain worm. I was really interested to know what he had before. No. Yeah. But I think that's where he came up with it. Yeah. I wonder. It's a, what do you think the no meant? Because to me, it read like uh, like an adult walking into a room full of children and just asserting like, you know, like raw authority, just like, no, do not, you know, and, and it's like it's addressed to the terrorists it's addressed to the people that are probably uh, getting very emotionally overwrought about what we should do with the terrorists. Mm-hmm. It's it's aimed at the people trying to politicize probably the tragedy for their own ends. Like it's I like the wonderfully I, effective. I thought I I I think both things. I think what you said is true, but I also smacks a little bit of Nancy Reagan's "Just Say No" campaign. Mm. Or, you know, people advising like women or children who are being abused to just say no. Mm. And that's not as effective when you're when you've been in those situations. Mm. But I want to believe the better part. Mm -hmm. But it just I couldn't help but think that that kind of like no abstinence idea is not effective. Uh, it's a big hit. It seemed like it really took the public by storm. Uh, he, now massive crowds are turning out to see him. Uh, he he's able to kiss some babies and raise them on high. 
a little bit of nervous flashback to last season (laughs) where Lenny just straight up drops a baby, albeit 18 inches onto a soft hospital bed. But still, still, like, I'm thinking, like, you know, New Pope just going to choke slam him up from, like, you know. I thought the baby was going to, like, spit up on him or something. Going to spike him like a football uh, right on the soft spot. Right on the soft spot. Oh, that baby was cute. And that was, it was really chewing the scenery in those. Right. (laughs) But it also, some of this reminds me so much of, like, the movie Evita. Where it's like every single time a PR success is, you've got all the people in back like, okay, now what are we going to do with it, though? Yeah. Uh, you know, the the uh, Pope John the Paul III is kind of basking in this relevance and this authority. And now it's like Vielo's on his ear like, okay, now how are we going to translate this to action? And it seems like his other advisors are like, hey, well, you know, the, that's not the Pope's job. The Pope's there to be a moral symbol and everybody else assigns a meaning. But I think he realizes that I got to get out there and do something. And there's this this big this interview with whoever this Times author. I think it's fictitious. You said that you couldn't find out evidence of them being a real person. But this yeah, reminds Emery Kitsworth. Yeah, this seems like the same kind of tension that like Lenny kept on putting off his first public appearance, kept putting off, kept putting off because he's waiting for the right time. This new pope um, who is the fascination with him is not his youth and beauty and just seeing him his fascination is his dazzling intellect like he's waiting to display that like yeah. his his public appearances so far have been short matter of fact sometimes very short in the case of no say eight no's and you're done um <laughs> yeah it I'm, seems like his plan is to make a splash yeah yeah um which she's gonna have to by the end because uh pope, the <laughs> pope Pius the thir- 13th is, is making quite the splash uh completely supine <laughs> on his back there's also, before we move on to some other topic, I want to talk about this thing with Adam. Yeah. Uh, you know, last week we saw him uh, skiing in gravel. This week he turns down his brother John for a joyride in favor of writing. And you can see on his desk that there's a glass box with God inside. Yeah. This, this, is it a millipede, centipede? It's a millipede. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and then we see that same millipede come out of the silver box on his bedside table as he's passing out from again probably uh, a medicated you know some kind of drug medication yeah and there's this idea that occurred to me in the scene and i'm not sure what good it would do but is there any possibility that john and adam switched places i saw like an episode or two ago someone float that idea in uh, one of the forums i was reading and i I thought of the same thing I do right now, which is I can see the appeal and God knows people love a fucking mystery box. And here you've got a literal mystery box and people love identity swaps and and hidden identities. But I'm like, what is the payoff there? Like, what is the payoff of a man for 40 years pretending to be his brother? Um despite parental affection but i i don't know it, it does fit the themes where he's you know that's the total abdication uh of yourself right it's a total rejection of oneself to make your parents happy but if you're going to pretend to be the son maybe you pretend to be the good son um or right. maybe it's wrong it's the good son and the, the john died and he took his place as a like a a flagellation of himself for that. I I, I don't know. Maybe, I, it, maybe he just didn't want the pressure for his parents are putting on him anymore. It's got to be super fucking interesting if they're going to go that way, because otherwise it just feels like a stunt. Um, and and this show, as as much as it does, a bunch of splashy art stunts doesn't usually do stunts for stunt sake. 
you know and it's not art like you know like have a like a, a reveal that oh i'm actually your long lost bro i don't know I, I it's an interesting idea but i don't and I, I definitely see like there's a little bit of support and i can see some areas where that could be interesting but i don't know we'll have to see yeah uh let's talk about sophia yeah, let's talk about Sophia. What's going on with Sophia and her husband Tomas? Because I thought they were solid snake for each other. I think they are. I feel like I'm getting the impression that he's working some other kind of backroom deals without her. Hmm. And she's also at the same time has this growing attraction with to John Paul III. So now Thomas's was... plan to join the inner sanctum. Yeah. Would, would you you know, we know he said I have some things to uh, to pitch to John Paul, but I don't know how she feels about him working with her now because mm. it's definitely going to stifle a bit, little bit of that attraction that she's feeling, or you know, the closeness that they're having if he starts coming around. But also, he's doing some things like doing all the blow in that. Yeah, that the seemed to bother hole. her. Her looking at that through the uh, <laughs> the intimacy hole. Yeah, she's like feeling this separation from him through mm. that through that hole. Because and... isn't she supposed to be seducing the Pope? I thought that was like her stated goal is that like, you know, wrap him around her little fingers so that he's pliable. I think so, but I don't think they it's anticipated. Not, you're not supposed to actually fall for him. It's, that right. it's a classic. Okay. Um, so Tomas, Tomas goes off to, uh, take a sordid informal meeting, uh, which I also think I thought that maybe this was just their code word for he's, they have a somewhat open relationship. Perhaps we haven't seen evidence of that. And he's just going to do that thing. Well, um, you can see where last time they were talking about, Oh, come back with a Pope and the explicit plans. But now mm -hmm. he's going off for an informal meeting and she's staying home and making phone calls to a private apartment. Yeah. It's, yeah. That. She's making night calls uh, <laughs> to see if the Pope is real. In her pajamas. And you can tell that there's just that difference. Yeah. And she's like, genuinely, she seemed like a schoolgirl calling her first crush. Like, there's like this kind of you know, pins and needles. And he was uh, very much a schoolboy not answering. <laughs> He's playing. They're playing games, Cecily. They're playing games with each other. Uh, they're not very good at it because they essentially announce their intentions right off the bat. But I thought it was interesting how they... Uh, there's this montage of like the you know she's calling the Pope and the Pope's just letting her ring off the hook and you kind of get around you see a little bit of Esther you see a little bit of this uh, young the the young nun who's having this relationship in the garden shed with this uh, immigrant boy or this refugee boy um, and uh, he finally picks up the phone and says oh yeah I was just doing that as a power move <laughs> and because I want you to like me and she invites invites her to a date which is a tour of the catacombs. Mm -hmm. um, he directly asks her at the, at the tomb of St. Fran or not Saint, I guess he, he, he needs, he needs some more work to be canonized. <laughs> uh, the recently dead Pope uh, uh, Francis II ask her if uh, there's any, any shenanigans around her death. And she just flatly denies it. Do you think she believes that? Why wouldn't she be honest with him in that set in that moment? It's not like he doesn't know about Voyello's suspicious activities it could be that she's genuine like you know what Viello is always kind of like a lightning rod for this kind of stuff but I think she did, didn't didn't we find it last year that she knows about the Guillermo stuff Maybe. Guillermo, Guillermo stuff 
this poor kid he's got so many problems and i can't even pronounce his name uh i i think that she's she's seen the tender side of him and maybe she just flatly doesn't believe that he'd be capable like yeah he's he certainly is a little finger type and he's a squirrely little bastard and he plays the game to the bone but he's not going to play any further than that and i just don't think that she realized maybe maybe a chair like i just think that she's being charitable because otherwise why by working with viello it seems like it's working against thomas and what he's trying to do with the spazette Spalletta. Spalletta. She's, yeah, I mean, she and Voyello work well together, which is apparent. I mm. like the scene, I think it was last episode when they introduced Spalletta, and you have the three of them kind of like pitching ideas and shooting each other down. And, and jockeying, all, yeah, for some, yeah. Right, the three of them jockeying against each other, and I like it when Voyello and Sophia can work together. Yeah. Because it's fun, they have a good uh, uh, rapport. I just... I feel like it's a little bit naive of her to not believe that he's capable and is, as we, the audience, know he is capable of all of those things because he did them. Sophia's many things. I don't think naive is one of them. So she's either ignorant or uh, she's, for some reason, maybe, I, I guess this is another one that, that she's just working against her husband or maybe putting the brakes on it because she, I don't know. I, I We'll have to we'll have to see. Uh, but she straight out, straight out asks him if he's gay or straight again. Again, I think this is like she does it twice in the scene, and this is like the third time overall. He continues to deftly, and and there's one point where she, he has her just eating out of his hand, like she's like uh, gagging for it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he does the same thing that he did to Gutierrez, where it's like right as he's he's fully seduced them, and they're in his palm of his hand. And he just does like a, 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 a half turn pirouette and he's out of it. And they're like left shaking and breathless yeah. because of his presence. I thought that was interesting that um, does he Wait. want her or does he want her to want him? I think he definitely desperately wants her, but it can't happen. It shouldn't happen. I mean, this the same is the Vatican. He... It doesn't seem like there's any problems with Pope skidding it in. Um, but maybe that's he, he realizes that's the key thing that Lenny discovered is he can't give Viola anything. That's the problem. He's trying to diagnose the sickness and he can't be a part of it. That's true. Yeah. Uh, you got to wear the mask and the gloves if you're going to get in there. And... Sleeping with a married woman is not on the level of pedophilia, but, you know, it's yeah. part of the greater. It's all mortal sin. Mortal sins. As far as God's concerned. Uh, uh, interesting that they're not addressing the fact that there is some in-between place uh, that's not gay and not straight. What's that? It's a little bit of both. <laughs> a little bit about the the, the, the bisexuality? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, bi eraser. It's uh, bi erasure. It's real. Do you. I thought it also. It's smart for him to be like, yeah, I'm going to come out in favor of marriage for priests, gay marriage and straight marriage. And he's like, and I know this isn't going to fix the thing because this doesn't mean that like, you know, well, they're gay people. And if you don't let them, they're just going to go after children. He's like, this is a separate sickness. Right. Because you can't villainize all of the gay people right. and say that they're all pedophiles. Right. So I think he's saying that like I'm di- I- I'm diverting not these sinful or these sick urges um, into like gay or straight marriage. He's saying that I'm like diverting attention like this is. I can't, I, I can't, Diverting. I'm in this, I'm in this stuck place where I can't condemn these priests as sinners, but I can't condone what they're doing. So this is a way to kind of like divert people's attention from the fact that, you know, we do have sickness in our society and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and it's also funny how she came up with like unbidden the same, uh, 
uh, illustration, the same analogy about the iPhone. And he's the, like, come on, Sophia. With his your... exact analogy is not something Sharon Stone said. No, you can tell that it was something you can tell it was something that uh, kind of bugged him because uh, it's a fucking it's a it's a good analogy. And uh, they need they need a better they need a the better way to communicate with this. We'll see if uh, Sophia is up to that challenge. Uh, do you want to talk about Vielo? I mean, we already talked about uh, Guillermo. Guillermo. Yeah. Uh, and his retreat with Don Mimo, um, who I... So they don't really explain, like, they don't explain a lot about his relationship here. But apparently this is a spiritual retreat or a sanctuary that the priest used to go to as, uh, like, young men in seminary school. And he remembered this very uh, person who was already old at the time who was a, has a similar affliction to Guillermo. Uh, his name's Don Mimo, and uh, even though he can't see, hear, or walk, he you know lays hands on this boy, and they instantly have this simpatico relationship. That's 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 beautiful. Yeah, Guillermo laughs, and the the man cries. Don Mimo cries, and, yeah. and it's just so sweet. Yeah, um, and it lights the up. The nun every- smiles. Yeah, it's it's uh, again, it's the reason why you just can't fucking hate Viel- Vielo. <laughs> Violo, thank you. Uh, I hate pronouncing his name. Uh, let's talk about Esther. Esther, like, man, God, I feel so bad for Esther. She's in a situation where she's getting perved out on by her boyfriend, Fabian, her pimp, Fabiano, mm-hmm. in full view of her son that's up there in the third floor apartment window. That's really sad and depressing. Uh, she says, I can't do this anymore. And he kind of like is disgusted or pissed at her. Uh, and then the next scene, uh, she sees through that same window, uh, Fabiano receiving cash from the priest. And he was promising fifteen to 20,000 euros for her services. Right. This woman's incredibly wealthy, so she can afford something like fifteen to 20,000. And she gets 1,100, 1,000 for her sex with the, the boy with the deformities and 100 for the, her sex with the priest. And I'm actually not sure if he like took the money as like a true pimp or uh you know this woman wasn't as wealthy and he lied to esther from the beginning just to get her to do this as a favor for this old friend or what the hell is going on here but this uh clearly crushes uh esther but gives her the funds to get an escape pod out of the situation and uh, in the scene of lenny breathing which we're about to get into yeah uh she's able to make her escape Seems like Lenny did not abandon her in this moment. At the same time that he's sighing, she's finding this strength to run away. You know, it feels like him, I, I f- strongly believe that he got a great sum of money and only gave her a little bit yeah. as a way to control her, to keep her in this apartment so she has no other options, thinking that that would work. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, in that moment, I think she was one of the people who was listening to the breathing. Mm-hmm. Maybe that gave her the strength to leave with what she had. Where you, is she going? Because I have an idea. I don't know. I think she's going to Venice. Huh? I think she's going to join the hooded idolaters, and she's going to be a. Uh, she might uh, duel the redheaded chief idolater, the the prey <laughs> woman. Uh, I don't know because she's a she. I mean, she's there. She's got the miracle baby. Or maybe like, she goes to Venice to be close, but I don't think she joins those people because she's got a baby. She's yeah, got a young just, child who needs a home. I he can't just sleep in on the ground. I'm, but but the thing is, is that Esther's not exactly be making healthy choices here. And I'm saying not what she should do. I'm saying that what I think she will do, which is go to Venice to be close to Lenny. And she, uh, I think that it doesn't seem like any of these people are working and people are feeding them because they see this vigil that they're doing is worthwhile. And I think this 
minor Catholic celebrity who has a miracle baby by this priest, by the Pope who is currently breathing and sighing, like her presence there in that square would be such that she wouldn't have to worry about feeding her child, you know, and it doesn't seem like it's particularly cold. So, but you know, all wearing hoodies, so who gets it? All? Yeah, right. Just get that baby a red fitted hoodie with Pius's face on it and uh, his love for the Pope will keep him warm. Let's talk about this breathing. There was almost six uninterrupted minutes of listening to Lenny breathe through his respirator with no dialogue. We got to see everyone who's the cameras ever hovered on for more than a half second. Their long reactions to it. And it was super watchable, like especially the first time through. I would not have believed that it was six full minutes. I'm like, eh, maybe two minutes or so. But like it's he really gives this moment time uh, and for it. For, it feels like an important moment. This breathing you, and sighing routine. Would you say that they gave that moment time to breathe? I would say they <laughs> gave it plenty of time to breathe. I felt like they might have gotten 415 breaths in. But the the deal is, uh, and there's this whole before we get to the discussing uh, discussion of the breathing, I want to talk about um, some of the things like uh, there's this uh, breathing montage that we see. Uh, the young the young nun is pregnant uh, with this uh, refugee boy. Um, I and all the all the young nuns are laying their hands upon her, which is this ancient symbol of like healing and solidarity. And Cavallo's overhearing, so everyone knows now. Caval fucking Cavallo with his smile. I wasn't sure if he's like, nah. There's no way he's smiling because he's for a moment happy about this. It's he's <laughs> yeah. happy that he can exploit something. Yeah. Um, but it's like, man, I was just thinking. Uh, I've never been free enough to consider because this this young nun and the, her boyfriend seems like they think this is just great. This is an amazing thing. Like we're going to have this baby in this garden shed and I want to keep being a nun and there's going to be some nun food and, you know, everything's going to be happy because we're together. I'm terrified for them. Why do you believe they feel that way? Because they're smiling and happy. There's not any like fretful like. Like, oh, God, what are we going to do? This is a situation. It, it felt like I was, uh, also last night I watched the movie Easy Rider for for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as featured on The New Pope. And I felt the same thing about the, when I was watching them with the hippie commune. Like, oh, this this is going to be fun while it lasts, but it's going to it's going to come to an end and it's going to be a bitter, bitter soul killing end. Mm -hmm. Like, you're all going to starve out here in the desert or something like I, I just like I said, I've never, I, I was raised where his consequences were beat into my head. So like the idea that I can just, Oh, you know, I'll just have his love, butt baby out in the garden shed. Uh, I, I marvel at, at the, the, uh, the hope springing eternal here. It's really interesting. And I'm sure there's reasons for this that I'm not aware of, but in this, in this opening scene with Sharon Stone, he talks about how the purpose of, it's not a sin to be gay. Just the purpose of marriage is to, or have sex without marriage is, a sin yeah masturbation's but a sin the purpose of marriage is to have children mm -hmm. so it's funny to me that they would make priests and nuns be celibate you know it feels like maybe a baby would be a miracle for a nun mm -hmm. but that's not how it works well, i mean it's she's just, not it's, married it's a sacrifice it's a calling it's a it's a way to devote your life to god instead of your your own desires mm -hmm. um but they also have a scene of the abbess feeling like to pitch a lump in her breast. There's a lot of stuff going on here. On the uh, other side. Huh? On the other side this time. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh -huh. I didn't pay attention to what side it was. There's also um, Freddy, uh, Guterres's lover, showering. And Guterres, like it's, uh, he's, he's going down this, um, 
relationship that's fine, except for he feels guilty about it because it's against his church's uh, instruction. Um, staring down the hotel cash bar, which is a re like one is a problem that's manufactured by uh, an arbitrary spiritual law that like you take that away. Like if he you could just hypnotize him and make him forget about the fact that gay priests can't get get married. He'd be fine. He'd be fine. He'd just be courting his his lover, and it's all f- sweet and. F- but the alcoholism is an actual, <laughs> real disease and problem that he's that's going to cause him a lot of pain if yeah. he doesn't master that. And Once he uncorks that, I, I mean, he got clean after his last visit to New York. Sure. So did he actually just, go into drinking? Because yeah. I couldn't remember whether he gave in or whether he came very close. Well, that's how he met Freddie. Was frequenting the liquor store that uh, Freddie worked at. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Scary. So I'm hoping that's him, I don't know, showing some kind of resolve because it doesn't seem like JP3 really helped him that much with his confession about God satisfies my spirit, Freddie satisfies my body. Yeah, neither of them seemed like they got much out of that confession. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, who knows what he's going to say about what liquor will satisfy. Right. Uh, But this starts the the young pope. Uh, Pius XIII sighing and a the nuns kind of hear that and it's rumored about and they get a radio that sets up this parabolic antenna aimed at his window uh, where they can hear his breathing and they, they broadcast it 24-7 and they determine that at 415 breaths he lets out a sigh and then the second sigh came at 414 breaths and there's an expectation for him to do the same at 413 and he did and he did and the crowd cheers but people are wondering what does this mean? And I'm wondering, is Lenny just fucking with people? Like, is he <laughs> faking a coma? Because I'd almost believe he's got the self-discipline to do that. But you can't do that when your heart's been replaced three times. There's not... The, the fuck you can. There's not enough faking in the world. Why? Because the heart itself is failing. Uh, the heart transplants aren't taking, and that's the problem. Yeah, I guess that's the truth. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I guess... I guess that's true. Isn't there a way to make people wake up from comas too? There, I think there's. But there's... if he's faking, if he's just faking unconsciousness, if he's conscious this whole time and just like as the nun is cleaning his balls, as uh, they're you know prepping him for surgery, <laughs> as he's waking up, uh, waking up from surgery, he just pretends to be asleep this entire time. I also time. think there's CAT scans and things you can do to read that's, the brainwave there patterns. There you go. That's that's yeah. Like if if Doctor Pro- uh, Proctor Kai uh, is worth the salt, they could stick him in an MRI and or or hiccup hiccup hook up one of those EKGs. Yeah. Or is that the heart one? The there's heart there's one. one where they put a net on your head and they can measure the electrical impulses. So, yeah, you're probably right about that. I don't. F- uh, yeah, so then we're I, talking I, about a genuine miracle. We're talking about him being the real deal. Yeah. The one that can make Esther pregnant. He's actually a saint. Or- yeah. But like we this is the, the, the thing that I thought was amazing about the young pope is it stayed firmly. I think my recollection is they it stays firmly in the leftover spear of like. Are these genuine miracles? Are these genuine superpowers, spiritual superpowers, or are these just coincidences? Like, did you have a woman who everyone thought was barren and her husband was infertile and it's just one of those one in a million shots and it happened to coincide with Lenny praying for them? I mean, even if he wakes up, I wouldn't say it's a legitimate miracle. If he came back from the dead, yes. Huh. If he wakes up, I would say that that's within this, the realm if, of if possibility. If he breathes at 412, 411, and all the way to a countdown to snapping him, that's something. That's not, that's something, I don't know yeah. that medical science can explain that. Like, that's, that's, that, that is a repeated sequence of events that seems very implausible if it went from that. Like, if it was just like, 
he sighed and then opened his eyes and okay well you know he sighed and opened his eyes but this seems very deliberate uh this is this weird papal countdown to consciousness can we talk about some you want to talk about some breath math yeah do your breath math so i timed myself breathing at about the same rate and I, took, I was there in the room and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it took about 30 seconds to take 10 breaths. Uh-huh. So you're so, talking 20 breaths a minute. 20 breaths a minute. And if we do the math on 415 breaths mm-hmm. divided by the 20 mm-hmm. in a minute, that's about 20 minutes in between each of these 415, 414, mm-hmm. 413. You did the math on how long that would take for him to wake up or be sighing continuously on every uh-huh. breath. Uh-huh. What was that like? Five days? Yeah, it was something like so. You get like eight thousand f- breath cycles, but then you're going to be decreasing that. So I did a little bit of math, and I came up with I think it ended up being just over five and a quarter days, where if he takes one less breath in between sighs, he will eventually get to zero size. And then I don't know if he's just, oh, 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 oh. just it turns That's into <laughs> it turns into a one nine hundred Pope number. Uh, Is that still a miracle? <laughs> yeah, if he's just heavy breathing now. Um, or it's, something's going to happen if is if this is like an Independence Day style countdown, and now now the the Vatican gets exploded. I like that they also have some of his breathing uh, contrasted against the terrorists on TV just breathing. Yeah, did you notice that? Yeah, and then Bowers watching that, seeming troubled at the end. Do mm-hmm. you think that means that there's going to be another terror attack that we open I next think episode? So. With? It seems like everything is accelerating. So yes, I would predict maybe not ne- next episode, but the episode after that, I would, I would, I, I think you're going to see more and more of these terror attacks because we we got we've essentially had one every two episodes, and if things are accelerating, then yeah, they they'll 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 get they'll get faster because that's what acceleration literally means um and also this was your whole thing but it uh-huh. seems like we're gonna have an anti-pope situation yeah like if he does at the end of this countdown um you know whether it's five days or it's a week whether it's a month at the end of this if he wakes up um he didn't step down and he wasn't dead so he's still the pope and we already see it there's a plaza full of these hooded idolaters that are going to hold him up and proclaim him as pope and what does that do to the new pope yeah um has there ever been i a, don't know has there ever been a case of them just like co-pope <laughs> co-poping i don't know there's been co-popery it doesn't <laughs> seem like that's uh you know jesus built his uh his, his church on the rock mass that was peter not peter and paul or peter and john or anything it was a singular individual and it's a, that's the i know catholics have a great deal of pride that that's an unbroken line of succession back to, to the apostle peter so i wonder if john paul the third could step down just take like a half step down and become a trusted advisor and let lenny be the pope again i think that's probably one way to do it to, for him to like resume being a cardinal um, but I don't know because also what would Lenny think about that? Lenny, you know, has his own strong thoughts about stuff. Oh yeah, uh, he does. Yeah, but uh, but the, you know, Sophia warns everyone, and this is you know, she's saying what we're all thinking that like you thought the idolatry is bad before. Holy shit! Uh, you know, and she's like, you know, please do this interview with this times person. He's like, not yet. I I need to keep waiting uh, for for many more breaths. Uh, we see him playing the harp in an empty room and a dog runs past. And and yeah, like, is this going to be the kangaroo of season two? And then the actual kangaroo of season two, the millipede, starts crawling around on uh, Pius XIII's hands. And the, the nuns seem to see it and are disturbed by it. Yeah. Now, 
I don't know if he, I don't know, maybe stuck out his tongue like Einstein portrait style, and that's what excited slash horrified them. But it seems like they could see the quote-unquote presence of God, whatever this this millipede's supposed to represent. Yeah. That's Adam's take on it. It's God. So I want to I wanna go back to the scene where the millipede slithered, slithered out of JP3's box. Okay. Did that happen? Or was that... See, I thought I don't think that millipedes actually crawled into the old people's ears. Um, I don't think a a stray wild dog literally ran. Although he did bring well, okay, the dog might be real because he did bring one of his dogs to the Vatican. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. I just now realized that. Yeah, the Daphne or whatever her name was. Yeah. So the dog's real. Dog's real. I thought the millipedes were a strict symbol, but uh, I thought they were. I thought every sighting of a millipede was real. Here's, here's With the an exception idea. of it coming out of the box. Here's an idea. What if what they saw on his hands was a stigmata? Do you know what that is? Yeah. So but it's like where hands? you have a bloody wound that spontaneously appears on someone's palms to represent, uh, you know, some something divine happening to them. Who had the stigmata? I'm saying like, what if, because oh, just... we just see that what actually happens is the nuns looked at his hands and had this kind of horrified slash amazed, uh, excited look on their face. And, you know, the one nurse, one nun ran to the other nun nurse and they both came and looked at it. And what the camera saw was a millipede what the millipede represents is god and it's kind of an infamous thing for saints to have stigmata spontaneously appear the wounds of christ appear on their body so like i'm suggesting that like maybe what actually happened is his palms are bleeding and that's what the nun is freaking out about and it's symbolized just uh, you know just like those uh, those people that were dead and lords didn't have bullet holes or shrapnel in them they were just kind of like you're this is like a sanitized version and next week we'll see that there is a stigmata but that's just me taking a wild ass guess at what that could mean because otherwise the millipedes are real and the nuns are seeing them right that the millipede was that the only thing in the box and it escaped and went all the way to lenny's hand <laughs> sure i mean that's it another took, it took the four or five hour train from rome to venice and possible. Uh, possible. i just in, see this millipede with his little hat on hopped in esther's bag and he's, he's carrying like 50 briefcases and <laughs> in, in his hand yeah he's, no, he's, he's got traveling. one of those hobo sticks yeah <laughs> but he's half has a bunch of like just just keeping him keeping him in shoes traveling is going to be a problem yeah uh but I, yeah that's I, I that's my guess is that there you're supposed to understand that these are stigmata or some other holy sign uh and that the the nuns aren't actually seeing millipedes crawling on him but i could be wrong guesses. uh that's all i've got to talk oh there's also the final nun scene where now the nuns are dance doing their dirty dancing at night but they're joined by the headlight wearing friars yeah. And Sister Lizette has a really cute uh, episode of voguing where she's, you know, bopping and moving and she holds up her power nun fist and then she blows a kiss at the camera and then pirouettes away. <laughs> it's really it's really, it's really sweet and cute. I have no idea what what it means. Um, but I don't this know. This definitely didn't happen. This definitely is not literally <laughs> happening. Uh, I don't think the abbess would have it. So that's what we've got for the new Pope. Uh, We'll have a new Pope for the new episode next weekend. Mm -hmm. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Cecily. And listen to Jim. Can you hear him breathing? See you next week.